Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is episode... 481 coming to you on Monday, April 10th. Uh, it is the last episode before the spring game coming up on Saturday. Uh, super exciting to finally have that around 12 p.m. on Saturday at the Coliseum, April 15th. Tax day at the, uh, at the LA Coliseum, of course. Uh, we're going to preview the game, talk about what we expect to see, what we wish to see, talk about all of that kind of stuff going into the spring game. Along with some basketball news towards the end of the show, as always, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansided.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, uh, and you can join us here in our Reign of Troy studio. This is Alicia Dardola, my co-host. Hello, everybody. Hello. I totally botched that, but we're just going to roll with it because we're live. We are. We're live, and um, I'm super excited because the spring game is always one of those events that I feel when you talk about the things in the off season, it's it's one of the big checkpoints, right? It's one of the big things that you look forward to. It's one of the uh, the big pillars, one of the big you know timestamps. It's also, I mean, it's spring spring camp is difficult. You can always take things from spring camp and then find out that you are absolutely wrong about your observations. Yeah. Um, whether you are at practice every day watching as much as USC will let you watch it or whether or not you're just sort of following along at home, the assumptions we make about spring are very difficult to prove because there's it's all internal. Mm-hmm. You sort of have a the, the narratives are set and then that doesn't mean they translate to what you actually see in games. It's difficult. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I always look at the spring game as like the ultimate, like, look at the team. Like, this is Mm going to tell us about the team in a way that I probably overvalue. But my brain doesn't care about the logic on that. My brain thinks this is as close to USC football as you are going to get. Mm -hmm. This is as close as you've gotten to USC football for three months, four months. Yeah. And this is as close as you are going to get for another three months. So yeah, well, this is the end all be five all. months. Five months. Yeah. I don't math. That's fine. <laughs> um, whatever. Time. Time is a flat circle, Michael. 
but yeah, I like it feels big. It feels meaningful. And yeah. even if it's not as meaningful or big as we think it's going to be, every year I get hyped for it. Every year I enjoy it. Every year it's just something fun. And uh, for the people who are going to get to go to the Coliseum, I have always said that like, even if this, the action is not good as it has been in times where it was just a glorified practice, like just being in the Coliseum is special. It, it doesn't really matter. You only get so many, so many days of the year that you get to be inside the Coliseum and have there be football. And so it, for that reason alone, it's big, but, but also it's, it's football. Yeah, absolutely. It's football. It's a sample of what's to come uh, for football like football itself, um, you're not going to learn a lot on Saturday in the sense that SC will go vanilla. They will, you know, th there's cameras on uh, the spring games have sort of been really neutralized in the past few years because of that. Like that has sort of been a thing, which is funny because I've seen this past this a couple weeks over the last couple weeks, I've seen multiple people talk about how it's weird that college football has it cashed in on spring games more by having them be do um, actual scrimmages against like mm -hmm. D1 D2 teams yeah or stuff like that like have an actual like that's what I've thought game. for years I, I've always said that SC and UCLA should play a spring game against each other and put it at one of the MLS stadiums sell out the thing yeah make it like a whole big uh, party together it would it would be awesome. Yeah, it would be really fun. Even if it wasn't like, that's when you should be playing UC Davis. Sure. Yeah. Like, or that. Or that. Like, that's when you should be playing the, the FCS schools and give them a, a kickback, you know, just like mm -hmm. when you're scheduling them during the year. But yeah, I think like that would be make it very much more interesting. Um, but like you were saying, like that hasn't happened and that isn't what spring games are at this stage. Yeah, and part of it is if you're a coach, you want your team to be healthy. Number yes. one, you want your you are and coaches. There is no more par there is not a paranoid profession outside of coaches. Like it is the number one chief paranoid profession. Hence why media is really not allowed to see practice, um, and also why things tend to be sort of vanilla when it comes to uh, spring games. And so a spring game in, against an, another opponent. Uh, I think would probably require more things like um, maybe more game planning, but also there's the chance if you're going to go super vanilla, there's the chance you could lose to UC Davis. You know what I mean? Which, because if, you, if you're going to go out there not trying to win the game necessarily, but just trying to get reps and try things, you absolutely, if you played an FCS team could lose another reason not to do it because that looks bad for, recruiting for narratives for any of those things because look at basketball that happens every single year there's a division two or, or three team that comes in uh they go into to rup arena to play kentucky and um podunk academy or whatever goes and beats kentucky on an exhibition game in which kentucky is playing all of their bench dudes and walk-ons right Happens every year, and yes. and people try to make some big deal about it, and it doesn't mean anything. Right, but Kentucky's coach doesn't get fired for that. Yes, which is the key here, right. because like in, in, in <laughs> and in like in soccer, this is what you do. Your your preseason is literally just playing 
a handful of exhibition games that are all just money grabs, but also just sort of ways to get your guys to go run out and and see what they're made of. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sometimes you lose to FC, whatchamacallit, in the French third division. Um, But you don't, no one gets fired for that. So like the fear that... The problem is just like with relegation, just like with all of these good ideas that would apply very well to certain American sports. The problem is that like, because you weren't doing the, from this from the beginning, people aren't accustomed to it. People aren't yes. attuned to it. And so it would be too drastic a thing to do right. all of the sudden. And that's why we just have to dream and talk hypotheticals about the possibility of this making things better. Right. Well, the other flip side about it is I think if you're a coach and probably this is the most important thing for coaches is you want to have the maximum number of reps. And one of the the ways you do that is by having a spring game against your own dudes. And so while I think that you would ideally like to have the spring game behind closed doors, so you could, you wouldn't have to craft a, a playbook to be, you know, ready for, for TV to, to just be broadcast nationally. Um, you want your offense going up against your defense. So that way you can get, double the amount of reps. Whereas if you were playing UC Davis, your offense is only out there when the offense is out there. You can have the offense and the defense out there at the same time. Yeah. So either way, Saturday, uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, Saturday, April 15th, this Saturday, 12 PM uh, at the Coliseum. Also on the PAC 12 networks uh, in LA is the USC spring game. Of course, uh, let's, let's kind of run through some news here. Um, Damani Jackson finally has spoken to reporters for the first time. He spoke to Ryan Young of Rivals about his freshman season and injury recover, recovery. Uh, it's a good article that Ryan put together. Go over, check that out on Rivals. But it's a premium article, so I'm not going to read the, read the whole thing. But there is a quote that is in the tweet uh, that says, it's always a struggle, uh, says uh, Damani Jackson, just getting that confidence uh, it plays a big uh, role in your play, and I'm real confident in my knee this year. Lincoln Riley was asked about Damani Jackson on Saturday and said, quote, we've got to get him settled into a point where he can really turn loose and play aggressive all the time because when he does that, you see the strength, you see the length, you see the top end speed, and he's learning to use that more aggressively and learning when he can. Each day he gets a little more confident, and the mistakes are starting to trend down. The positive plays are starting to go up. And that's going to be a process. Yeah, this is the struggle with knee injuries, right? It's people have gotten much, much better at recovering quickly. But for the majority of my, you know, for our growing up years in watching sports, if you tore your ACL, like that was a 50-50 career ender. Like you were never going to come back and be the same player. And I so so I think that because we've seen what Adrian Peterson did after coming back from his how quickly he came back, we're seeing guys come back quicker than ever. Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to make a full recovery within within six months or within nine months. Right. Um, some guys, it is about the confidence of being able to to run and make a cut and not have to think about the knee buckling under them every time they go out there. And being able to break through that mental block is is half of the battle. And that's not always the kind of thing that that comes quickly. Sometimes it takes time. It takes reps. It takes uh, just different milestones that you make. So I always try to give guys who are coming off of a knee injury to to not expect them to be full go 
until at least a year and a half, if not two years, you know, out from, from the injury itself, you got to give them the year to physically recover. And then there's almost like another year of mental recovery. Um, so I think it's, I think it's interesting that he's talking about the knee, the, just the injury issue that way that it, that he's using, you know, the words like confidence. Cause I think that really is the, the, the hurdle to get over and spring is a really good time to build confidence. That's one of the biggest things that spring can do is, and we talked about this before is confidence in the scheme, knowing what you're supposed to do, knowing what you can do. It's not just knowing what your, your responsibility on a play is from a playbook perspective. It's about confidence in, I can execute this play at a high level, athletically, physically. Um, so that's big. That's big for Damani Jackson. And hopefully it, it continues to carry over into the season because he's too talented. You got it. You got to have him on the field. Guys like, yeah. guys like Damani Jackson, guys like, um, you know, the, the, the five-star studs, you got to get them going. You, 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 if you won't be successful, if your five stars are bust, that's just the way it works. And we've seen that yeah. in past USC teams when the five stars bust, when you have guys who either are consistently injured or just consistently not performing at the level that you expect them to, mm-hmm. it sort of weighs on the team. And and the, the, those are missed. Those the, the gaps in the roster are felt when the five star doesn't doesn't pan out. Damani Jackson's talented enough to pan out. Just need to get him on the field. Well, it's been the frustration among SC fans for the last decade, right? Is yeah. not getting the the five stars um when you really want the five stars right and well but when you get the Corey when you Foreman get them and then he doesn't he, he, you he gotta, takes a while yeah or the wole batikus or the you know when, when, when you actually get the guy you gotta actually follow through yeah. and be able to to get the maximum out of them it's not just about getting them um and you know sc has had their fair share of five stars that have been five-star players in college of, of course but um, yeah, it's about it's about getting the most out of them, and we'll see what Damani Jackson can do later on this uh, this season. Um, super exciting for SC to to have him back and and be healthy and and ready to go for a full season. Um, sticking to the defense, um, Rajon Davis, a guy that you've called for a lot uh, at linebacker, had a scoop and score in Saturday's scrimmage. That seems to be a good thing. He's also gold plated along with. Anthony Lucas and Anthony Lucas is on my list of things that I want to see in the spring game, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, but, uh, per Lincoln Riley, he's one of the first players to, to be gold plated this year. Um, and quote, uh, this is about Lucas. He's done a good job. He's really, uh, I've really been impressed since he's a younger guy to transfer in. He's, he's learned our stuff. He's been a very reliable, um, guy from a scheme standpoint. He makes explosive plays brought good energy and competitiveness to each day. Uh, he's really acclimated well to the defense uh, and he's been a really fun guy to have in the program. He's been a fun guy to put in our defense. Uh, and yeah, just this transition, you never, never know how that transition is going to go, especially with a younger guy that's still not as seasoned as of a college football player. And he's handled it very well. So now I've been super impressed He's got a really, really high upside, and he's one of those guys you feel his impact in practice just about every day. This is, I know it's spring, and I know you're going to hear positive things about every player. You're not going to hear a coach say, you know what? I just really don't like what he's doing out yeah. there. <laughs> but, this guy actually sucks. 
Yeah, you're never going to hear that. Um, but at the same time, this this bodes well, right? Like Anthony Lucas is the guy you bring in on defense along with, you know, Mason Cobb uh, in terms of transfers to be impact players. And if he can be that impact player immediately in year one, that would be huge. I, I think there's a, a very clear argument that, that Anthony Lucas is the most talented player that USC has had transfer aside from, um, uh, the obvious Caleb Williams. Yeah. Uh, he, his ceiling is that high. Now that was his ceiling coming in as a recruit. And, you know, I think his time at A&M, he, he clearly wasn't, um, he didn't feel like that was the right fit for him as far as, uh, uh, school. So he decided to transfer quickly out of A&M and now it's USC's job to, to take that immense talent that he has, uh, and turn it into production to productivity and so, yeah, I agree with you that it, it is it is nice to hear Lincoln Riley say these things, to have positive reports about him, not just that this guy's really talented, but this guy's bringing the competitiveness and the energy and the, the mm-hmm. that all of the, like those kinds of things matter to me as much as, as talent. I, I think that you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have a motor, then what's it going to do if you don't have the, the will to succeed. What's it going to do if you're not a team player? Uh, what's it going to do? And those are the kinds of things that you want to see for, for those at home who need the reminder, because it had slipped my mind going into spring too. the gold plating process is the process of getting the, the Trojan, um, the sticker decal on your helmet. Yeah. So in the spring, everyone has to earn the right to wear that decal on their helmet and that's called getting gold plated and you earn that by meeting the standards that the coaches set it's not like a the, the the buckeyes um where you get a sticker because you get x many sacks or x many tackles or whatever mm-hmm. it's are you meeting expectations in the weight room are you on time to meetings are you setting a good example yeah. in the classroom um, all of those character things are going into gold plating for a guy, a transfer to come in and be one of the first guys to be gold plated while he is adjusting to life in a new location. Also a young guy, by the way, this isn't like a veteran transfer who's been somewhere for four years and just sort of knows what's what and walk in the door. This is a guy who's still getting used to the college atmosphere in the first place. Mm-hmm. For him to get gold plated that early is a very, very good sign. So yeah. I will absolutely take these comments and, and run with them. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, Ohio State does have a very similar thing to this. And yeah. it's earning the red stripe. Um, yes. You earn your at, at first there. Ohio State helmet when you first start a season is I just black. It's, it's like black and silver stripes. Yeah. And then you earn your red stripe to go down the middle. And then um, as the games go on, you earn uh, the Buckeyes, um, you know, as as the season goes on for academic and on-field things. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think that this is part of the necessary improvement for USC on defense. Uh, it starts with the sort of building blocks like you see. Um, and yeah, a lot of this is just, you know, springtime wins, which are, we only know hear about springtime wins. We don't hear about springtime losses, but it's uh, it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal to at least begin, especially when, you look at where SC was defensively at the end of the year, which was completely in the basement. And SC's got to find a way out of there. And 
getting somebody in like like Anthony Lucas and having him, you know, really be a strong player this spring uh, is huge. And we'll see what that means on Saturday and what how the the fans can sort of see his impact as well. Um, Lincoln Riley was talking about the def- talking about the defensive improvement on Saturday after the scrim after uh, this past Saturday scrimmage, and he said, "quote Defensively, last year there was a little bit of sense that you had your handful of really good players, and then there was too much of a gap between those guys and everybody else. Whereas now you've got some really outstanding inv- individual players, but the gap is closed, and that's because." They have more competition and more depth. We talk a lot about spring quotes or just spring quotes, but there's some teeth in this. Is there not like, like this is, this is the, sort of the thing that we had talked about all last year. Um, you know, that there, it was one of the things like, what is the problem with SC on defense? Is it schematics? Is it, um, is it the, the, the players, the players just not good. Um, and the reality is like, it's, it was a little bit of everything, right? Like it was the, 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 the coaching, it was the scheme. It was the lack of effort. It was the, um, you know, the players, the roster just not being there, um, apart from the top end guys like Thule and Makai Blackman and for Lincoln Riley to just flat out say this. Um, to the media and this being quote on quoted on usctrojans.com, I think is pretty damning and refreshing at the same time. Damning and refreshing is absolutely the two words that I use here, but damning is doing a lot of work in a lot of different directions. Yes. Yes. It's refreshing for Riley to just straight up. I mean, essentially say that like, yeah, the, the talent wasn't good enough last year, but they've been saying that with their actions the entire time. And the further we've gotten along, the like the more clear it is to me that like the coaching staff didn't believe in the defense at all, mm-hmm. which is why I think that the damning term applies both ways. It's damning on the, the players that USC had on defense last year. Yeah who you and I, I, I think we can all agree. There were players out there who were not performing at a level that warrants being in a USC. UN, but, but some of those players are still on the team now. Like, like yes. that, just because they were on the team last year, it doesn't mean that they're, yes, they're gone. That's, like that's why, you know, I, it was an episode or two ago. I talked about like how confidence is, is this big thing. Right. And, and the defense that we saw out there against Tulane was not a confident defense. That defense, it looked like guys didn't, trust what they were doing Mm -hmm. and if you have to ask where does that lack of trust come from i think we have our answer (laughs) the lack of trust comes from the the coaches thought the defense was trash i mean and maybe they were right and it certainly felt like they were right at times uh were they as right as they seemed to think they were i mean i don't know i think that maybe a little bit more trust and confidence in players who maybe weren't good enough athletically or, or whatever it was like, maybe they could have gotten better results if they had sort of come down to their level and sort of uh, worked with them in a, in a sense, then things would have turned out better. But I will also give, uh, give some room here for maybe the tough love approach is the approach on you. Like maybe 
cleaning house and saying, you know what, that the, the players on that team weren't good enough. And a lot of them have been processed out. And if you're still here, that's because we think there's something to you and that building more confidence and that sort of being part of, of the, 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 the growth of this defensive unit, that could ultimately be a good thing. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. certainly room for that. There's just as much room for all of this negativity around the defense. Like at a certain point, if you're saying that the players weren't good enough and you recruit in better players and you don't get better results, then who's not good enough? Like there's a push and pull to this, which is why damning works so well, because it really is one side or the other, but it's ultimately going to apply to the whole, the whole shebang. Right. So (laughs) these quotes say a lot to me and Part of me is really excited by that. Part of me is like, they get it. They're going to hold a higher standard. They're going to recruit at a higher standard. Um, They're going to demand excellence and that will yield results. Yeah. And the other part of me that's been watching a lot of Ted Lasso is sitting here going like, (laughs) yeah, but like also belief is important and belief in your players and and building levels of trust so that when the wheels start to wiggle a little bit, they don't completely fall off the way that they did in 2022. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, uh, West Texas Mike in the chat says I refuse to fall uh, for spring quotes. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm always in that same boat, which is why I think that when we talk about these things, we try to clarify as usually a coach talking about a player is because there's been a question asked about those guys and the, the quotes to really, I think stand out is when a coach talking about someone sort of unprompted. Yes. Um, and you know, it's hard to, it's hard to see what those things are unless you, you know, what li- literally watch the, uh, the, the press conference back or, or, or whatnot. But one of the things that, you know, ab- about the, the statement and, and, you know, talking about the defense is, Part of it is easy to say now, and it's also, you know, bordering on throwing the players under the bus. And that is not something that you want to do. Um, Having said that, I think that this is a little bit different than just straight out, like coming out after a loss and saying, you know, the players just didn't execute our game plan and, and, and it was the player's fault Um, because he's talking about like, you know, the gap is closed because they have more competition and more depth. The reality is, why do they have more competition, more depth? It's because Riley has sort of like gotten more players. And when you get more players, that's just the reality of it. And that's going to help out everybody. And so I think it would be one thing if it said, if he's like, yeah, that last year there was a talent gap. um, But this year we don't because we have new players. And yes, he's saying that maybe this is semantics, but it's not about the new players. He's saying it's about the what the new players mean is the competition, not just that we've replaced those guys, which I think is the important part because you can't just throw everybody to the curb. Obviously guys who are not up to snuff, you can, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and, and get them in the transfer portal. But at the same day, same time, you need to be able to salvage those guys, salvage their development, salvage their careers, get back their confidence get you know develop them all those things if you bring a player on campus um it's then on the coach to get the most out of them and so 
um, all these words are, are lip service now. They might sound good right now, and and they I think they do sound good. But yeah, it's going to be on how do, how do you do these things going forward? How do you validate that that's what it is, right? That that's um, one of those things where you actually taking the step forward. So yeah. uh, let, let's get to our spring game wish list. We've put together a wish list of five things we each want to see in the spring game this year. Alicia, what is your number one thing? Encouraging linebacker play. Specifically, I want to see Mason Cobb and I want to see Tackett Curtis and I want to feel like I'm noticing them for good reasons. Like, I want there to be plays where I think to myself, the linebacker made a good play there, which maybe happened like five times all of last year. Yeah. So, or at least five times when it wasn't Eric Gentry in the first six weeks of the season. So, mm-hmm. yes, I... I think that my eyes will be trying to find Mason Cobb and Tackett Curtis and seeing what I see from them. Um, but along with the, the entire linebacker, it doesn't have to be those two guys. It just needs somebody in the linebacker group to stand out in a positive way. Because if USC is going to succeed in 2023 on defense, he needs to have the, the, the linebackers need to have more of an impact in general. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that that was the, the issue all year last year. We talked about how the linebacker play was the problem. Um, there were signs on the defensive line that, you know, you could have strong play to truly like led the nation in sacks and he was up there with tackles for loss and all those things. Right. And, and in the secondary, you had really strong performances. Um, when you look at Makai Blackman was arguably one of the best or best, um, shut down corners in the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Like there were strong, strong performances at every level, but at linebacker for SC and linebacker is where you sort of needed those guys. And you saw it from flashes from Eric Gentry. You saw flashes um, a, a little bit from the other guys. There were, but- there were a couple, I, I remember like a couple specific moments where Shane Lee made us made a run stop that was like, okay, that dude ran into a brick wall and Shane Lee was the brick wall, brick wall. And that's good to see. But like that, that, that happened, I could, I wouldn't need two hands to count the number of times that, that happened yeah, with exactly. any player on USC's defense. Yeah. So uh, your first wish list is to uh, sort of see an impact uh, and encouraging play from the linebacker. My first wish list is uh, a turnover. Show me a turnover. <laughs> you got to see that turnover luck. I know. I, it doesn't have to be, you know, something crazy. I, I have very low expectations for a spring game itself based on, I think that these things can sort of be, you know, manufactured and and kind of vanilla based on the, 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 the play calling and all that kind of stuff. But a turnover, show me one turnover, show me one guy going and making a play on defense, which I think is sort of in line with, with what you're talking about, but yeah, show show me a turnover. Your number two. My number two is uh, going back to something we already talked about, Damani Jackson. Mm-hmm. I want to see. I want to see what the quotes are telling us. I want to see that he is actually going to be factoring in. You could throw Corey Foreman in there as well, um, mm-hmm. in terms of of the sort of just we've heard about them, 
gaining confidence, yeah. growing this spring. We have heard it. I want to see it. That's uh, that's that's something that, um, you know, would be nice. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, especially when you got to replace Makai Blackman. I feel like I've mentioned Makai Blackman like 18 times on this episode already, and he's no longer at SC. He's he's planning for the NFL draft, so SC's got to find a way to uh, to replace him at uh, at corner. And Damani Jackson certainly uh, would be a perfect plug and play. Uh, as a five-star recruit coming out of modern day last year. Uh, my number two is just straight up Anthony Lucas. I, I Let me see the Lucas. Let me yeah. see what he can do. Similar. We've, we've seen the talk. Now let's see the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's my number two. We, we've talked about him at length at this point. Yeah. Uh, he's got length. He's a big dude um, on defensive line. What can, what can he do? I, I want to say. Yeah. What's your number three? My number three is uh, Zach Branch. Heard a lot. More we've heard a lot. I want to see it. I I just think Mm -hmm. every time Zach Branch's name comes up, people who are at practice, people who are sort of in the program, rave about this kid, that he looks the part already, that he looks like a college wide receiver, that he's a a day one impact guy. And I know what that looks like because I watched Robert Woods and we watched, you know, the the Juju Smith-Schusters of the world who sort of like took on that role immediately. Um, I want to see if Zach Branch passes my eye test in the, in the spring game. Yeah. I I'm going to go to one of mine here that I think that's similar to this, which is Malachi Nelson. Um, you, you talked about, you've seen Robert Woods, you've seen Judas Schuster, you've seen those guys. We've seen a lot of, you know, uh, wide receivers come through SC in the in the past twenty years, right? But that's also can be kind of said for the quarterbacks. We we know what uh, like Mark Sanchez as a true freshman in, in two thousand five threw a bunch of touchdowns in in a, in a scrimmage. Uh, we've seen what Ricky Town looked like early on. We've seen what what all those guys Slovis looked like early on. We've seen what Darnold looked like early on. Fink. Um, Kessler, Wittick, et cetera. Um, I want to see what Malachi Nelson looks like after a spring. Yeah. Um, just to see where he is. Um, no pressure. I think that this is a, this has been a nice uh, kind of opportunity for him to just have no pressure in this season to have zero pressure, um, you know, coming in for Caleb Williams, behind, you know, behind Caleb Williams. Obviously if there's a, a time where he's got to come in in October and a, in a key game on the road or whatever. And suddenly you throw him out there against Notre Dame because Caleb Williams rolls his ankle or something, knock on wood, that doesn't happen, but obviously there'd be a lot of pressure on him. Right. But it's nice that SC doesn't throw him into a situation where they need him week zero to go out and win a game. Um, presumably, um, as it stands right now. And, um, so yeah, this gives him the opportunity to just grow at a natural pace. And I want to see what that looks like right now. Yeah. And, and I think the important thing there is that what we see on Saturday isn't a reflection of what he will be as a starting quarterback. Um, but like you said, it's where, where, in where in his journey is he, how far, how far progressed is he? Mm -hmm. Can we start to think about him being the backup? Or is it more realistic to sit back and say, you know what? No, Miller Moss will remain the backup this year. Malachi Nelson will compete for the starting job next year. And 
let him have a year to just get his feet underneath him. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a, a real question. And, and it's certainly given, you know, the history of Lincoln Riley quarterbacks, I think it's certainly a, an interesting sort of exercise to see because, you know, Caleb was ready very quickly mm-hmm. and he was certainly wasn't the finished article as a freshman, but he was capable of starting a football game yeah. as a freshman. And even, you know, so even the guy like Spencer Radler was, it did, it didn't take him that long to get to a point where he could start a football game but and not be a liability. None, none of those guys, with the exception of Caleb Williams, played as a true freshman. Yeah. Cause they didn't need to. Yeah. And that's Caleb was the only one that sort of needed to, but even then he didn't need he, he to. Kind of that was by decision. Yeah. That, the, the, the impressive thing about Caleb is he forced the issue is that right. he wasn't needed. He was, yes. he was worth it. And I'm going to go out on the limb and say that Malachi Nelson is not going to force the issue. No, um, uh, Caleb and uh, Spencer Radler are a very different situation um, with the two. So yeah, yeah um, I don't know that I'd go that far, but, but, uh, but you never know, like in a season, Malachi Nelson is competing with Miller Moss. And that's the other thing that we're going to get a look at Miller Moss um, this year, I mean, the, the spring game. And and we might see something from Miller Moss that shows that he has taken a mm-hmm. progression forward to suggest that, you know what, not only is he the backup to Caleb, but like if Caleb pulled a hamstring in the first quarter of a very important football game and was hobbling around on one leg, maybe this time Miller Moss would be trusted to come in the game and, and go out and win it yeah. instead of, we can't win this game unless a one-legged Caleb, Will- Caleb Williams does it for us. Like there's levels of trust that, that are, that are there that are in question there too, that maybe we get to see something about. Yeah. And also this is a year in which we might see the, uh, the old difference between a long and short term backup. Yes. So that might be a thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to see how that all comes to be. Cause we know we've talked about that before with like Matt Fink uh, and and whatnot back in the day. Um, what what's your number four number number four thing that's on your wish list to to see in the spring game? Tight ends, baby. Yes. Um, I don't know what I'm looking for to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Tabaracci made the move to tight end, so maybe he's somebody I'll be looking at and seeing is this a, a real move or is this a, a body? Um, you know the 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 unit is thin. So I don't know that we're going to see a lot from them, but I, I, I do think it's worth looking at because if, if the plan is to get Deuce Robinson involved, whether they call him a wide receiver or a tight end, like I mm-hmm. think we could maybe glean some things from Lake McCree or from other guys who are True. going out there and yeah. playing the position. So yeah, I'm looking for tight ends. Yeah. And, and on a related note to there, I'm going to say running backs. I'm going to do the running backs. Um, this is a running back rotation that's going to look a lot different than it did last year, even though there's going to be a lot of the same guys. Yeah. Austin Jones is back. Raleigh Brown is back. Darren Barlow is back. Uh, Travis Dye is not, but in comes uh, a transfer in Marshawn Lloyd out of South Carolina. And you got two early enrollees in Quentin Joyner and uh, Marion Peterson. And there's a lot of dudes there. There's yeah. just like the receiving core. You've got a lot of, Guys that sort of want to eat. How are you going to mix and match every everybody? We've talked about Relique Brown that he has the versatility to be featured as a receiver. Uh, there's questions in the chat about about um, special teams. Yeah, maybe Relique Brown gets more special teams opportunities and is able to to eat that way. I don't know. We're gonna all see, but I 
I'd like to see where the running backs are this spring on, on, on Saturday. Yeah. I almost put Marshawn Lloyd in my list. I just didn't want to be redundant. Um, sure. Yeah. I think that he, there's every chance that this is just Austin Jones's job and mm-hmm. he's USC's bell cow. And you know, for a lot of last year, that. SC went with the one running back. Yeah. You know, it's rotation. En- it's entirely possible. That's what we're going to see. Yeah. But you didn't bring in Marshawn Lloyd to sit on the bench. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think Marshawn Lloyd came to USC to sit on the bench. Um, I think he intends to be a, I feel like Marshawn Lloyd came to USC to be an all PAC 12 first team level player. Mm -hmm. If not, obviously, obviously all of these guys want to be all Americans, but like, yeah, it's not always super viable. But like, I think that when, when you're looking at Marshawn Lloyd, like his aspirations should be that. And I'm curious if he'll be able to, um, to live up to that. We'll have to see. I don't know that we're going to necessarily see the the whole array of how USC will be using the running backs in, no, in this but game, but I, I just, it's, still, it's still good to see them get a few carries and see what they can do. Yeah, and there's new faces. I want to see what the new yeah. faces look like. Yeah. yeah. I want to see their stride. I want to see how they cut, all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, last thing, what, what, are you, what are you looking for? What's your number five on, on your wish list? The wide receiver pecking order. Um. I, Do you expect an answer with that? Not necessarily, but I expect a little bit more clarity from where I'm at now, which is like, mm, um, Mario Williams is theoretically wide receiver number one, but is he? Because Dorian Singer might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I both like Taj Washington a lot. I think he's he's probably the most underrated player for USC coming in this season. You want a sneaky bet? I mean, is he wide receiver number two? I, is is he wide receiver I, number one? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I. I feel like I might have said this before, but like I would not be shocked if Taj like just had the most catches. Yes, because because here's how it would go: wide receiver number one changes every game, but wide receiver number two stays consistent, and Taj Washington is your second option in every single game, mm-hmm. and so he ends up with more consistent production, ends up with more production in general. Whereas, yeah. like I can see Dorian Singer and Brendan Rice and uh, Mario Williams, and you know name one of the other wide receivers to come in and, and have their show off game um, mm-hmm. that changes week to week. Taj is the, the Deontay Burnett of, yes. of, of this receiving core. Yes. Um, but, but that's the other thing is like Brendan Rice, we saw him be a star. Is he a star? Um, I love a lot of the other wide receivers in this group. Like uh, Michael Jackson, is there room for him mm-hmm. to be the guy? Where do where does Zach Branch fit? Yeah. Um, you know, there are some real questions in this in this Kyron Hudson. room. Kyron Hudson, who I, I really like a lot as well. Um, do those guys have a future with USC in this in this setup? I think it's possible. I, I, I think they there's to me what we've seen from a guy like Michael Jackson and in flashes, Kyron Hudson, like there's no reason to believe they couldn't be a starter for USC. But a lot of that depends on like, is Brendan Rice a bona fide starter? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the thing that sort of makes it all a little bit, a little bit wonky. There's only so many spots here. And you and I are barely certain that Singer, Williams, and Washington are, are three of four. Yeah. I think it's safe to pencil in Brendan Rice as four of four. 
But is it? Because we I, saw him be a star, but we also saw but him. There's there's Zach Branch, and how do you not have how Zach do you Branch not have Zach there? Branch in there? How, where right. do you find room for for uh, Michael Jackson, Karen Hudson, and and you know? I, and I and love watching and Michael Jackson the third. I think I, he's awesome. He he makes me happy. Like I just I see the number nine on the field, and it's not just because I have flashbacks to all the great number nines who have caught passes for USC recently, but like. Mm you know good things are going to happen when the ball is Yeah, you watch his highlights and you're like, that's a pretty young thing. Yeah, yeah, yes, PYT, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, my number five is alongside the wide receivers. is just Dorian Singer. I, I want to give me one Dorian yeah. Singer highlights. I don't care what it is. Just one thing. Scratch yeah. the itch. I, I, I'm, I'm exactly with you, yes. Yeah. Well, Dorian Singer was absolutely incredible against USC, and I can't I, say that I watched too much I else sort of Arizona. But I sort of feel bad. I feel like he put the expectations so high by having one Buffo game, yes, against SC, to the point like now everyone is expecting every single catch of his to be one-handed, and yes. it's not going to be the same as Katie Nixon um, beating up on SC at Colorado and then coming and doing literally nothing. Um, so I, I don't expect that at all, but um, I do think that there might be a moment where like Dorian singer, we all expect him to just be this superstar. And I, I think he will be, but there's, it also sucks that like the expectations are, if he's not doing these one handed crazy things that, that you might not think he is, but he yeah. should be right. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to basketball before we go into the mailbag. And um, if you're joining us here live on YouTube, be sure to stock up the chats with questions and we'll wrap up the show by running through your comments there. Um, Let's go to some basketball news. Um, USC currently is the favorite to get a commitment from Bronny James. No relation to Boney James, um, relation to LeBron James. Um, the kid from Akron, um, Ronnie James is deciding between Ohio State and USC. And apparently the Trojans are the leader for James, who could decide at any moment on three, put out a um, re- recruiting prediction mas- machine, their version of the crystal ball from 24-7, I guess, uh, that says SC has... Uh, the 72.3% chance of landing him over Ohio state uh, at 27.5. And then 0.2% potentially going anywhere else. Um, Alicia, he's 6'3", 190 pounds out of Sierra Canyon, four-star combo guard, uh, the 33 ranked recruit in the 24 seven sports composite. Uh, So he is not just, He's not, you know, Leangelo Ball, who's just like there because of his famous name. Um, he actually is a highly ranked recruit. Um, what is it, what would this mean for for SC? And what are your thoughts? This would be a pretty huge get. Um, name recognition obviously is big. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that USC basketball is always fighting against the tide on is relevancy relative yeah. to UCLA and. Having LeBron James's son at your school, uh, it's a it's a it's a touch of relevancy. Um, LeBron wouldn't let him let his kid go to any random place. Like that's it, it's a it's a mark in in the 
column for for USC basketball. Um, and then also, like, I think he's such an interesting prospect. I almost wish he wasn't LeBron LeBron James's son. Yeah, I think it messes yeah. with like what he could be because there will be this pressure to go to the NBA. And and LeBron has said he wants to play with Bronny. Mm-hmm. And LeBron's getting old, and the time. Like the clock is ticking on that. This to me is slightly the red flag. Yes, uh, because because uh, it doesn't seem fair to Bronny to me. I don't. I I I feel like Bronny is not a one and done player. He will be a one and done player for the sake of playing with his dad. Um, mm-hmm. Bronny feels to me like a really interesting prospect who's a little bit cerebral. Who, if he had a couple years in college, could really carve out his own name. And yeah. do something interesting. And I don't know that he's going to, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that, uh, you know, the, the family dynamics there aren't, you know, LeBron also isn't like a, a helicopter parent to, to my understanding. So I think it would, you know, maybe this could go in a, a different way than my brain is, is putting us towards, but he's an interesting talent because early in his high school career, there was a lot of talk about how, He's overrated because he's LeBron James's son. And I think he got a little underrated because he's LeBron James's son. And there was like a backlash to like, Bronny's not an elite basketball prospect. Right. And then over the last like year or so, he's had some performances at the high school level and in sort of these club circuits and stuff like that, that are, that make you think like, no, actually he's got something about him. He's yeah. got, he's got a touch of that. Like I said, cerebral nature. Mm-hmm. on the basketball court that could make him special in in a way that his his dad is special and he's never going to reach that level. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean he couldn't do some interesting things on the basketball court. So, yeah, I think I think he'd be a really interesting prospect to add. Um, really positive step for the basketball program. And I'd love to see it because I think you'd get butts in the seats, too, if you got Bronny James at the Galen Center. Yes. Um but I'm torn about that. I, I want SC basketball to be a serious. Like, so this is where I'm torn. One, I think if Bronny James was not named Bronny James, we'd be talking about like this, about like how incredible this is for all of his basketball acumen. Like, I think that, like you said, I think that there is, there's a seriously good basketball player in here. We'd be excited about USC basketball, getting the 33rd ranked player yes. in any basketball class. Yes. Yeah. However, there's also the jaded, SC basketball watcher who looks at this and is like, why do you always kind of get, uh, you know, the, 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 the kids, why do you always got to get, you know, the, the, the hall of famer son? Why do you got to go get, um, you know, little Romeo? What, why do you hey, like, little Romeo worked out in the sense that like DeMar DeRozan was legit. <laughs> I know, was but it. it's like, <laughs> At some point, you want SC to get these guys strictly on basketball merit, yeah. Um, rather than just like you know carrying the banner for University of Spoiled Children, like just <laughs> allowing that to exist. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I I I don't want to you know like be the be the cynic here because yeah I I think he could be a good basketball player and. Not that I'm a basketball expert in the slightest, certainly not. Um, but when you sign the number one player in in Isaiah Collier, and you have Boogie Ellis coming back, a first team All Pac-12 guard, 
the the pieces are there to be a damn good basketball team. And the nation's 33rd ranked recruits absolutely helps that regardless of what his name is. And I'm always someone who thinks that people should not be judged for what their parents are, do or say. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to Bronny James to have those preconceived notions. So like, there's part of me that's like, I shouldn't even be saying any of this stuff because it's not fair to him. Right. But the reality is that that's just going to be a narrative that's going to constantly exist there. So yes, but when you're in the position that USC basketball is in the narrative, any narratives are good. Like is any PR is good PR kind of mentality. Like, Yes, but you know what's good PR? Making the tournament not being a fringe bubble team Okay, well, I mean... You know what I mean? You don't need to get me started on anything. I know, but... I have held my tongue about... About... Okay, no, I'm just going to do it. Boogie Ellis is coming back. Isaiah Collier is coming. Looks like Bronny James is coming. Like... USC's roster for next year is stacked. If you're not a four seater better, then, then what, what even what even is the point? The, if you can recruit is, Isaiah sure. Collier and you yeah. have last year's number one player in in um in I'm not gonna butcher his name. I, I stumble over every time. Like what what's your what's the point of existing as a basketball program? Like why wh- what are we even what are we even doing if yeah. you can't if you can't turn this into something? It's 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 good for the program, the health of the program, to be recruiting the way yeah. you're recruiting. It's good for the health of the program if you have Bronny James and you are the source of headlines where people are paying attention to USC. 100%. I saw a tweet the other day talking about how UConn has more national titles than there was a list of schools combined. And like just the fact that USC was on that list like made me giggle because I was like, you know, you're putting you're putting like, you know, Indiana and Texas and some teams that have like in Florida and teams that have actually done something this century, let alone the last two centuries. And you're putting USC on there like that's actually kind of a good sign, even if USC basketball doesn't have a title like, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll take it kind of thing, like just to get mentioned in a in a, in a category, even if it's to be dunked on whatever. Um, but w- like you got to turn that into something. Well, you, I mean, that's my thing. Like I, this is all very good, but trust me, I'm not going to be sitting here hold, carrying any Enfield's water next year. I'm just, I'm just saying. So like, Ulo Ulo in, in the chat says, you guys don't know basketball. It's very accurate. I, we don't the, the most accurate to know basketball. Thing of all time, 100%. I, I watch basketball yes. and I get frustrated half the time. Thousand percent. I don't pretend to be an expert Neither on of us any do. of this. Certainly not. But also says this is the golden era for USC basketball. Two things here. One, I don't disagree. Yes, it is in terms of consistency. Modern USC basketball, golden in, era of modern USC basketball. In terms of SC winning twenty games Sam on Barry on a like yearly basis, absolutely it is. Excellent. But also, the golden era of SC basketball is being a bubble team every year. Like, yes. is that what is? Yes, is that what you want SC basketball to be? Thank you. That, that's my whole point. Like, I understand it is the golden <laughs> era like, of SC basketball, but yeah. it also, it's it's like saying, it's like never having a, a, uh, a, a, a you've never been given the, the, the nectar of the gods, a diet Pepsi. You've only ever had diet right. <laughs> and you're drinking a diet right. And someone says, well, that's the best diet soda you've ever had. It might be. It's still not a diet Pepsi. 
So what are we doing? That that's all I'm saying. I that like it, to me, USC is a power five brand across all athletics. We have had this conversation about baseball too. Like what the heck is USC baseball been doing over the last two decades where they've accepted being this nothing program? Like right. we should have been up in arms about USC baseball sucking the way it's the, the way Gilles- it's they should, there should never been a world in which Gillespie was able to get away. Was, was able. Yes. And then go and build UCI into taking them to the college world. Series. Yes. That is a tr- like a travesty. Yes. And and I think that when you look at, at USC basketball, you're just talking about you're, you're talking about setting a, a level. And I, Andy Enfield has been at USC for a decade. That's my only thing. Is he? This isn't like he's been here for two years. Let him see what he's going to do. He's been here for three or four years. Let him right. see what he's going to do. Like he's been at USC for ten years and he's made incredible strides. Mm-hmm. But you can't be the number 11 seed. 10 years in, 10 years in when you've yeah. been recruiting extremely well from day 1 essentially. Yeah. You can't consistently be the 11 seed. Yeah. And Tim says before my time I think the the Bob Boyd teams might have been better. Only one team could go from the pack uh, and those were uh, the Baby Blues and that wooden guy across town. Yeah. This is the the other thing too is yes, SC has more um you know tournament trips under Enfield of late versus other eras and, and all that, all that. Yes, it's all true, but it was, this is also not a level playing field because this was, this is a game in which, yeah, the, was it the 1975 Trojans lost two games or whatever it was, both of them to UCLA and they didn't make the tournament. Like, yeah. I mean, when the tournament know, wasn't 68 teams, right. it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just want to see USC basketball like win the Pac-12 once. Yeah. Win a Pac-12 tournament once. I mean, I d- right. that's all I'm saying. That, that's, that's the other I'm thing. Saying. Yeah. When, when, the problem win with a Andy, Pac-12 tournament. The problem with Andy something. Enfield is he's been just good enough that like me yes. wanting more gets a lot of pushback. Like. Yeah. And it's well, fair pushback. But, but this I, d- is, I don't. I this don't, is the irony. Yeah. Like this is yes, this is the best SC has had, but also this is the best SC has had. And, but you can and also like, want more. And like Ulao is saying in the chat, like they still can't sell out the Galen Center. Like if this is the best USC has had, yes. and they still can't sell out the Galen Center, right? Then it's an indictment. Yeah, wh- what's going on? Something's going on. I, I yeah. and and maybe it is a fan problem. Maybe it is a investment problem. Maybe it is anything like. Hey, um, go to the big Big Ten. Can. <laughs> Can, hey, can only help the money right? that you get in the TV deal. Yeah. Can, I don't know. Maybe Andy Enfield needs more. Re- I mean, I don't know. Andy Enfield's assistants are all very highly right. thought of. So Hold I don't know. Maybe do I, do I need to be pressing this? Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. All right, let's go to the mail. Right. <laughs> Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've got mail. 
All right. We asked you guys what you guys are looking forward to in the spring game. Uh, Samuel says he's excited to see how the freshmen play. It's a good, good, good call. Uh, Tim says excited to see Caleb back on two legs. Yeah. Yeah. Strong. Uh, agree. Marksman yeah. says looking forward to seeing the defense. We know the offense will look great. Rama Murdy says uh, this won't tell us much about the team, but uh, it will be fun. Yeah. Uh, and Alex says definitely need to give the backup quarterback reps. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing. I don't expect to see a ton of Caleb Williams in the spring game, to be honest. I think we'll see a lot of Miller Moss and Malachi you, Nelson. You, you want this is going to sound terrible. Like if you, if you just wrote this out in a quote, I don't care what Caleb Williams does in the game no. on Saturday. No, I don't, I don't care if he takes a snap. Yeah. You don't need to see him. We know what, we know what he is. We know what his game is. We know how good he is. You can wrap him in bubble wrap for all I care. Allow him to be ready for the the season. The spring is not about him, and that is a great position to be in. A excellent position to be in that the spring is not about him. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's about other areas. Um, Josh says, after the previous recruiting stint, what are some holes that are still going to be spots of weakness going into fall camp? Um, spots of weakness is tough. Because I don't think that this team after the transfer portal has a ton of obvious weaknesses. I think it has a ton of question markings. Mm -hmm. Like you reloaded your defensive line. You got Anthony Lucas. You got Keon Bars. You've got Jack Sullivan. You've got Romel Heitback. um, Jamil Muhammad. Like your, your front seven, Mason Cobb. You've added a bunch of dudes. But are they actually dudes? Like, that's the bigger question. So, like, that by the time we get to October, we could be talking about how defensive line is a huge recruiting gap because those guys didn't work out. Um, we could be talking about corner as, you know, the, the, the I, I hope this isn't the case because I think USC's recruited at corner very well. And if and if the corners aren't working out, then that's, to me, not a, not a – the one position on this team that you can't tell me like we're lacking talent is corner. You can't say that. That's absolutely false. It is stacked with talent. It's are you getting what you need out of those guys? So like those are questions. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that um, you obviously need to continue to recruit very highly on the offensive and defensive lines, no matter what recruiting class you're in. Mm-hmm. So I guess my answer would be that, like, no matter what, every team, no matter how well they've recruited every position, every team, every year needs to be thinking about how do we make our defensive and offensive lines as strong as possible. I I think it's linebacker for me because you bring in Tackett Curtis, but also SC still had to go out and get transfer linebackers. And ideally, as much as you want to take advantage of the transfer portal and be the transfer portal team, certainly. You also don't want to be in a position to where you have to do that and be put in a position to where if you don't do that, you are going backwards. And that's the position that SC has been in. That's the other thing, too, is like Mason Cobb is a a stand-in. He's not a long-term solution for USC at at linebacker. What USC probably needs is what what was the class with with the four linebacker uh, 2014. 2014. You need that Justin, kind of... Justin, Houston, uh, Osama who yeah, was and... immediately gone and for good reason. Yes. Um, and... And, um, 
Cam Smith. Cam Smith. Yeah. yeah. Cam Smith was the one with the the, the least ballyhood of the four. Yes. And he had the best career. Yes, but you need and not, I mean, that group didn't work out quite as well as USC hoped, but you need a group like that in the sense of of it wasn't the recruiting that, that let USC down there. Like those no. were those right. were some dudes and one of them made uh, yeah. uh terrible life choices. Yeah. Um one of them was hampered by injury for much of his career. And one well, of them, I think both, and one of them I think, just turned out to be a little bit undersized. Like I would, that's, I would say that John Houston, you know, I, I don't know that he had a completely clean bill of health either. I think towards the no, end of his career, he too. had a back injury too, if I remember correctly, that yeah. might, I mean, but Gustin especially did not have a full bill of health. Yeah. Um, which and was Gustin made his impact when he was on the field. Like, it's not like Gustin was a bust. Gustin was right. a dog when yeah. he was on the field. So, yeah, yeah, you you need something like that where you roll where you load up. But the biggest thing there in that class is Gustin was your pass rusher and he was effective when he was on the field, and mm-hmm. it just sucked that he wasn't on the field as often. Yeah, and Cam Smith was your middle linebacker. Yeah. for four years. That's yeah, I think this team that. could use a Cam Smith, yes. a guy who is or a, not necessarily a flashy superstar, but just makes every play that you need him to make. I mean, if you if you could give me um like a Hayes Pollard, I would take, tell me that USC has signed Hayes Pollard. Just don't have him defend Hail Marys. Even with that Hail Mary defense, like having the difference between USC's defense when they had a string where they had a Hayes Pollard and then they brought in the Cam Smith and they just had that linebacker, four-year starter, sort of like established dude versus what they've had in more recent years where it's like, mm, um, the difference is, palpable so yes i think that's what you are looking i think linebacker is a good pull yeah uh marksman says do you think uh zach branch will take over all the kick return duties this season like adori did i see this is tough because we, we go back to what we were talking about with the, the running backs and how there's so many guys that you might need to find creative ways for relic brown to get the ball i think you need to do that for zach branch but you also might need to do that for michael jackson the third Kyron Hudson, um, Mario Williams might still want to get more opportunities there. Like, th- I think the the special teams is going to be an option to get somebody more reps. I don't know for sure that it could be Zach Branch, but it certainly could be. Could be anybody. I wouldn't say no to Zach Branch. I I still think that the game you're playing with Relief Brown is maximizing his touches in every possible way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that right now I'm looking at Zach Branch and thinking we need to maximize the number of touches that that guy has outside of his primary position. I think you look at really Brown and you think, how many touches can you get him as a running back? How many touches can you get him as a sort of slot guy, if you want to put it just or as a receiver? And how many touches can you get him on special teams? Like, I, I think I think that's where I would prioritize. And I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't put Zach Branch in front of Relique Brown if we're talking special teams packing orders. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the idea of letting the young guy maybe get the opportunity as the special teamer. Yes. To <laughs> augment their, their chance of maybe not being one of the top rotation dudes in at receiver, but Branch could just end up being one of those guys anyways. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, Walter says, uh, why do you think that Nelson is going to play his body is not even college ready? 
uh, Nelson is going to redshirt this year. Um, yeah, I, that should I think be the, the plan. That hundred percent should be the plan. You, the only reason, the perfect world. You only see Malachi Nelson uh, late in the game against Colorado. Yeah, because well, you don't if you don't burn his red shirt, you can play him in, in four games. Yeah, that should be the plan for now, Malachi Nelson. The only reason that I'm sort of on the fence about whether or not that's actually how it'll play out is I have not seen a single sign of true confidence that Lincoln Riley has shown in Miller Moss being his his primary quarterback. Yeah. So that's that's just but, but it, that's me reading between the lines but, too. Like I could have that entirely but, wrong. But but again. If Nelson is QB two or QB three, either or, you ideally perfectly want him to barely be on the field, with the exception of the blowouts. Yeah. Although you want more than four blowouts. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, West Texas Mike, why has USC basketball in ten years not played up to the level, athletic level of Florida <laughs> Gulf Coast that one magical season? Well, they did. They went to the Elite Eight. They went to the Elite Eight. Don't yeah. discount the Elite FGCU Eight. FGCU did not. Yeah. Yeah. The Elite Eight run was it was exceptional. I will continue to say, though, that like Evan Mobley is proving in the NBA that like he is a generational talent. Yeah. So uh, an Elite Eight run should have been the minimum requirement. Why wasn't that team a higher seed is my question. Um, but but I mean, again, uh, you guys have heard me now. My standard for USC basketball is higher than the standard that I think the school is putting on mm -hmm. and that some fans do. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Come at it in different directions, but uh, yeah, I expect more. I think it's a fair question to ask. Uh, Tim, uh, there's too, first of all, there's too many Tims. We've got a lot of Tims. We, we've got um, Tim Whitman and Tim Prangley in the chat. Uh, Tim W, Tim P. And they're talking to each other, and, and they, that's fun. It's it's <laughs> it's Tim on Tim action over here. Yeah. Um, but Tim Whitman says, I, I miss the sports arena. It was a bit of a dump, but the seats were better. I have good memories of sitting courtside with my friends in the empty games. I have to say, I agree. I agree. I miss the sports arena. I have fond memories of the sports arena in part because in high school, um, at, at Narbonne in the drum line, we would go to all the girls basketball games and Narbonne's girls basketball was elite. We're talking like national champs level elite. So we'd go to all the LA city championship games, which were always at the sports arena. One year it was at the forum. The time it was at the forum, by the way, the forum in like 2006, way more decrepit than the sports arena. Wouldn't think it, but it was. Um, and the sports arena was awesome. I, I understand way outdated, way terrible, totally a dump, but it was my dump. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel that. I, feel, I think that's a. I think that's a valid perspective on a sporting venue. Yeah. Um. I don't really have memories of the sports arena. I know I went at least once. Well, how many, but I don't have a. You think you've only memory. been like once? Maybe. Oh, you, you want to? You want a really? And I've got crazy like a here? weird memory. I want to say like they did an academic decathlon there once, but that doesn't make any sense though because. Who's the, going to an academic decathlon? Uh, me. To watch it? No, to be in to it. Compete? Is yes. it? To compete? Okay, I can't decide. Does that make you nerdier or nerdy or less nerdy to watch it versus compete in it? Hey, my favorite academic decathlon moment, uh, memory, was the first year that I competed in academic decathlon. These people who said that this was like the Catholic school's academic decathlon. 
Wow. They didn't realize that Harry Potter was as big as it was, obviously, because the books, I was the literature person, and the books mm-hmm. that they assigned for oh, you, you, you went ex- the literature category were, was Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to study a damn thing. I came in first place along with 13 others. I'm pretty sure there were 20 in second place and like 15 in third place. Everybody just knew all the answers. We it was all, too basic. We were all obsessed with Harry Potter. We didn't need to be assigned the reading. We had been reading it over and over and over again for years. Like they had no idea what they were getting into. The right. next year they assigned this very obscure book that I don't even remember a single thing about it. And like, yeah, that sucked. Cause then I had to actually like, study and i didn't do well because like so you know what's going to be on the test that's how it works no they assign you a book like they assign you like reading material and then the test is about so you outside of your normal curriculum were taking on new reading assignments yes i I can't fathom this well i mean there were people who were in the math track like there were people doing extra math work it was like a team logic section. I mean, I I could have been on your geography team. Just looking we stayed, at we stayed late after school for spending the decathlon spending the globe a few times, where we sat and spent an hour doing. So this logic is what it was problems. like at Notre Dame. No, no, no. This was in elementary school. Elementary se- school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Yeah. Wait, you were in seventh grade at elementary school? Yes. Grade school? I don't. I don't. Know. It's the the, I, the school you're in before I, you go to high school. I can't comprehend your private schoolness. You I, go. You go K through eight. K through eight. And then you go to high school nine through twelve. Why is it like a like a five year old at the same building as like a thirteen year old? Because that's what it's that's like. weird. That's what it's like in a Catholic school with three hundred enrollment. Oh boy. Anyways. As the staunch LAUSD grad, you know, bagged milk yeah. and all, I can say <laughs> that the uh, the sports arena fond in my memories. Yeah. And my first sports arena memory, you want to guess? The Los Angeles Ice Dogs. I was going to guess hockey. The LA Ice Dogs what, played there their inaugural year before they moved to Long Beach. What what is the, what are the Los Angeles Ice Dogs like a second they were the, division NHL or they were in the the leagues changed several and they were in the IHL and then they went to the ECHL okay then they basically disbanded essentially it's like the like a AAA is the okay. would, yeah a AAA baseball team but hockey yeah, yeah. okay all right um. Last thing, Lyle Lyle says, uh, "What position battle is the most interesting right now?" I, uh, I, I think it's linebacker. I think it's possible that the linebacker position will not be as interesting as as I think it is right now because it's entirely possible it'll just be Mason Cobb and 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 uh, Shane Lee, and then that'll yeah. be it and whatever. But I think you have to look at it and think. Rajon Davis, Tackett Curtis, Mason Cobb, Shane Lee, Eric mm-hmm. Gentry when he comes back from injury. I could see any combination of those guys playing. Sure. But I can't tell you for certain which combination it'll be. And I think that's why that's a very interesting group. Yeah. So uh, we'll potentially see uh, a little glimmer of that and see how those things are and where they stand on Saturday. Uh, 12 p.m. Pacific at the Coliseum. SC Lock and Horns with... 
themselves, of course. Uh, <laughs> it is the spring game. Uh, it will be on the Pac-12 network as well. Uh, you can watch it there. And of course, we will be back next Monday, 5 p.m. on uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here live on YouTube. You can join us on YouTube. You can also become a member over on YouTube and be, um, become the member of the Rot Squad for as little as $4.99 a month. You get to join and see uh, monthly bonus content. Uh, last week's, uh, last, uh, about a, what, a week and a half ago, we put up uh, last month's um, monthly bonus episode. It was super fun to put together. We've had great feedback. Um, we also have a Discord channel that um, that you guys can join and talk to us all week about the show, about USC football, USC whatever. Oh, uh, police chases, whatever's on your mind. Join uh, us. Tim in LA, we're going to use your question next episode. Yes. In the Discord, by the way. Yeah. That's the plan. Yes. All right. Uh, Tim in LA, uh, who I think is one of the, the, the Tims yeah, in the which, chat. Yeah, whichever, t- we need to clarify if it's uh, which. There's too Tim. many Tims. Too many Tims. Tim, yes. Yeah. Maybe it's a third Tim. It's entirely possible there's a third Tim. Could be. You never know. You never know. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then, uh, see ya. See ya. See ya. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.